morning. All right, I think we will. Have a great rest of our morning. Let's have that outlook and attitude anyway. It's so good to see you. It is wonderful to get together like this, together to praise our God. We are in this series where Jesus makes amazing I am claims, and this is the conclusion of this series with this seventh claim. And so we're looking at the claim today, I am the true vine, and I think a good way to get started on this particular claim is to start with a question that gets us thinking, and here's the question. How many of you would like to experience spiritual growth, increased productivity, and the ability to make a positive difference wherever you are? And this is not a trick question, by the way. All right, so how many of you would like that? All right, who wouldn't, right? I certainly would like that. I'd like more and more and more of that. And we're going to be looking at a claim that comes with a word picture and teaching that explains the word picture that's going to deliver on this. We're going to deliver on spiritual growth, increased productivity, and the ability to make a positive difference wherever you are. So, all of you who raised your hand, you should be really, really ready to hear more and want to learn more about what this is about. So, one thing we're going to do is jump into the one verse explanation of I am the true vine, which is how John chapter 15 opens. But in this one verse, I want you to look for something. I want you to look for the one central thing that we are to do to experience all those things that will come to our life if we do this one thing. John 15, 5, it reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So I'm going to do something we don't usually do. Get your pencils out. If you have a piece of paper, we're going to do points number one, two, and three all at once. We're going to do points number one, two, and three all at once. Point number one, Jesus is the source. I am the vine, he says. Point number two, you are his agents. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much Fruit. Point number three is that one central requirement you need to do to experience all that he's just described, and you're going to have that, those things in your life. That one thing is, point number three, remain in Jesus. All right, let's pray and go home, and we're good to go. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. The question that came to the disciples' minds when Jesus is teaching this should have been something like this, and I think they didn't even know enough to ask the question, what? How do you remain in you? How does a person remain in a person? So it's a very confusing uh, word picture that Jesus is using, and so if at this point, even though I've given you three points, you're kind of going, I'm not sure I get it. You're in good company because the disciples didn't get it yet. 
The fact is, they couldn't get it yet because all the pieces that needed to happen in the puzzle for it to be a powerful reality that they could experience hadn't taken place yet, nor could Jesus talk about it in a way uh, that he wanted to talk about it to prepare them for all the pieces coming together. So to get at this, we need to uh, look at the t- setting and the time frame of this powerful word picture that he's using. So just in case you didn't catch it, we were already in the setting last week in chapter 14. In fact, we were already in the setting in chapter 13. From chapter 13 through, we're at the last evening at the upper room with the disciples as Jesus is pouring out instruction because he knows what's coming and he's trying to prepare his disciples for this big stuff that's coming around the corner. So just think about it. Here's the setting. Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. And what night is it? It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night of the Passion Week. It's the very night that in just a few hours he will be arrested and that night he will be put through a farce of a trial in a Jewish trial setting, but illegally in the night, quickly gathered together, and then they bring the conclusion to the Roman government on Friday morning, the next day, Jesus sleepless through the night, tried through the night, and then brought before Rome, Pilate, and then he's going to be crucified on that Friday morning. So think about it. He's saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches, just hours before this this timeline where all the sequence of the events that Jesus knows is coming has to happen so that the word picture works, okay? Now, the disciples still, of course, don't get it. Friday is not far enough into the sequence. Then there's Sunday when Jesus raises from the dead. They still don't get it, even though on that day he appears to them. And then he continues to appear to them in a way that's different than the way he appeared to them before the resurrection. He shows up and goes away. He shows up and goes away. And by go away, uh, uh, several occasions, very clear, he just, he's gone. And then several occasions, he's there. He doesn't have that sound effect, but I like sound effects. And he just kind of is there in the room where they have locked doors. And then he's gone right at the moment. You know, and this happens over and over and over again for a period of 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, he ascends into heaven after he gives them the charge to do what he's calling them to do, to go and make disciples. And he's, he's set, the, set the stage and then he ascends right before their eyes. A whole crowd of 120 plus, okay, watching as as he ascends into heaven. They still don't get the image that he's using because right before he ascends into heaven, he gives a command that they're to wait for the power of the Spirit to come. It's 10 days after that that finally the pieces are in place to where they can experience the word picture. Now, what I want you to understand is this word picture, I am the vine, you are the branches, is not just a concept that a word picture is to conjure up in your mind. It's describing a spiritual reality that Jesus wants you to experience. 
And when you experience this reality, it revolutionizes your life and produces all those things that the first question introduced. Spiritual growth, productivity, the ability to make a difference positively uh, with those around you wherever you go. Why? You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is now residing within you. You have merged your life in union with Jesus if you have entered into a covenant with him. And so we need to talk more about this image to get a hold of how do you remain in Jesus? Because that's what he's going to be talking about in his teaching throughout this section. All right. Covered a lot. We need to go to the definition now, remain. The word remain, when he says remain in me, if you're to look it up in the original Greek, you're going to get different kinds of definitions like this. Remain, stay, stand fast, dwell, live in, abide. Now, abide is an older word. We don't, you're, we don't really talk like this anymore. Yeah, I, I abide in my abode. My abode is over on this street. I abide there every day. You know, we don't use those words much, but the more uh, word literal, stricter translations, or should I say stiffer translations, still use the word abide in me for this reason. That abide is the verb, abode is the noun, and those other words don't work to have the verb and the noun, and Jesus uses both the noun and the verb, okay? We covered the noun last week in chapter 14, which was just uh, several minutes before in the instruction of this instruction, where Jesus is going away to prepare our abode, okay? The rooms, the place where we will dwell, which conjures up in my mind is the going away to prepare, building these structures in heaven for thousands of years until we get there, or is it going to the cross and making the abode now available to all of us? You can guess my answer, okay? And so you abide in the abode, and the abode is Jesus, and it only works A person can only say, abide in me, remain in me, camp out in me, live in me, dwell in me. It only works when that person is God. Let that sink in. Of course, that shouldn't surprise you much because almost all of these I am statements can only be stated by God. And we've been learning all about this and we're gonna see that this is not much different there and I'm gonna show you that he's already did some teaching that prepares them to receive this, but they're not going to fully understand how to live in it until all the pieces are in place. So how does one remain and camp out in a person? So to do that, I want us to back up a little bit, not too far, back up a little bit to his teaching again in John 14 because it's all the same teaching that keeps growing and developing in these new layers and new images where he said in verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, the disciples should be thinking, wait, did he just claim to be God? 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That is an audacious claim. Claim. That is an audacious claim. All right? Wow. Believe also in me. I will never tell you that. You believe in God. Believe in me. The dots just don't connect. Right? But the dots connect here, and the disciples are following his logic a little bit. They have been getting hints after hints after hints after hints after all, both in his actions and in his words, and that's why even non-disciples want to kill him because of these hints. Let's continue forward in John 14. We read this. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Wait, what? If you really know me, you will know my Father. He's talking about God. If you know me, you'll know God. Whoo, talk about a claim. <laughs> claim, right? Wow, that's incredible. And then, so they're thinking, wait, what? And I love it when a disciple will go, wait, what? And ask the question. Everybody's thinking. And finally, we get a clear answer, and Philip does just that. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. And the reason he's saying that is he just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, okay, show us the Father. And this is Jesus' answer. Don't you know me? Whoa. <laughs> Philip even after I have been among you such a long time, don't you know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Talk about con- dots that don't connect. I could never say that. Look at me. See me? You see God. No, that doesn't work with any human, any human being except the perfect Son of God who came as the perfect son of man, the second Adam, to redeem us in the way to reverse the curse of the first Adam. That's a lot of theology there. We'll go back to that in a moment. Whoa, show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So if you know what Jesus is like, you know what God is like. Say that with me. If you know what Jesus is like, you know what God is like. We usually think about that in the reverse. Jesus is like God. Jesus is living a life that's godly. But if you get to know Jesus, this God sort of becomes more real to us and we see love and compassion and mercy and Joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control perfectly displayed, you're getting a good view of the character of God. If you see Jesus, you're looking at God. That is amazing. You could correctly say then, and I can't help this, I'm sorry, I'm a word person, I just can't help this, the vine is divine, (laughs) D-I-V-I-N-E, the vine is divine, Jesus is your living space and your life source. 
That's why he can say, remain in me. What does that look like? To remain in him as our living space that we're so at home with in our abode, in our living space, that we keep going to that living space. It's where we live and thrive and have our true being in that living space because we are not just in the space. He is our life source. He's the vine and we are the branches. Light bulbs are going on here and here and over here. Jesus, point number four, is your source for productivity. Jesus is your source for productivity. Now let's catch the flow of thought at, starting at John 15. We've kind of been looking at how he leads up to this flow of, of thought, and then we're going to now see how he expands on how, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So fruit, 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 fruit was what we saw up there highlighted. Another word for fruit, fruit. (laughs) Those are the ones I catch. You catch other ones probably, all right. Another word for fruit is produce. Now you know where I was going. I get ahead of myself. Produce, you go into the produce section, you find fruit. The reason it's called fruit is when you are a branch connected to the vine, his life will produce in you his fruit. Now earlier I just mentioned the character qualities of God that are listed out in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to look more like Jesus, you have to connect with Jesus And as you connect with Jesus and remain in Jesus, that he becomes your abode, your dwelling place, the the center of your life that you just kind of are at home with that being your center. Now his character traits begins to flow through him and flow into you and you begin to experience more of what you didn't experience before on your own. Okay? Now, It isn't just fruit. You're going to have some powerful things taking place beyond character traits as well. But fruit is produce. So how do you experience that productivity? Remain in Jesus. Now at this point, let me just bring some some thoughts and theology and theory down to where we live, okay? So let me talk to us who either have been parents or our parents, or sooner thinking about being parents. When you bring home that little baby, it's like, who is this stranger I just brought home? And it's like, where's the manual? 
And especially when you start running into the problems and trying to figure out how to solve these problems, it's like we want help. And if you are anything like we were, you start looking to focus on the family. And all that's what it was in our day. We started looking at all the resources of parenting. We started reading and figuring out how to do this thing called parenting. Let me give you a shortcut. There is no book that's going to give you as much as simply remaining in Jesus. If you want your kids to look more like Jesus, you have to Connect with Jesus. Abide in him as your abode. Camp out in Jesus. Let his characteristics of godliness start to flow through you and it's beginning to transfer by your mentorship through you to your kids. And besides all of that, occasionally in your prayer time, while you're struggling and praying over a particular issue in your kid's life, bloop, here comes an idea. It didn't come from a book. I just heard about this from a, a parent recently where it's like, this, where'd you get that idea? Well, I was just praying about it and there it was and we started using it. It's really working. Did you know that every kid that comes to you in your household is gonna be unique and different and one book that you purchase isn't gonna cover it all? But God knows each kid and God knows you. And as you abide in Jesus, Jesus will help you. I love this about God, that it really, really is personally applied through you and you're going to do a great job to the degree that you remain in Jesus. Why? Because you're remaining in Jesus who is Remaining in the Father who is the perfect Father. It's like, you're going to get this, and it's going to help you. Let's shift a little bit from parents to couples, marriage. <clears throat> Do you want your marriage to be a taste of heaven on earth or continue with the taste of hell on earth? Because it can be both. If you want it to be a taste of heaven on earth, the way God intends for it to work, for it to be a reflection of union with him, a reflection of the church and Christ, if you want it to be more like that, you've got to remain in Christ. And as you remain in Christ, his character, again, flows through you. And a happy couple has the character of Jesus flowing through them. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If that doesn't make for a happier marriage, you're not connected to Jesus. See what I'm saying? Now, we could be reading all kinds of books and stuff, and you can have all kinds of knowledge. You're just trying to do this, trying to do this, trying to do this. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Because from that connection, I'm going to empower it. From that connection, it's going to be a spiritual reality that you didn't have before. Change comes from me, not from trying harder. Trying harder is what you do after you've received the grace, living in the disciplines of grace. You're never going to pull it off by trying harder alone. You need Jesus. 
And remaining in Jesus is where it's all at. He is your living space and life source and his character. character. Wow, I hope it gets better by next service. (laughs) That flows through you. Point number five, Jesus recovered your designed purpose. Jesus recovered your designed purpose. A branch seems like a passive thing, especially if the branch is connected to the vine and the vine comes with life and life flows (laughs) through the branch. Lord, help this branch. (laughs) All right, my sap is kind of going slowly through. Okay, all right, here we go. (laughs) Thank you. It's a good moment. What divine purpose did Jesus recover for us? For this, we need to back up way to the beginning. We're going to go all the way to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, we read this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So first, I just want to say, God created us for joy and for purpose, and that joy and that purpose is when we're functioning in our created design as human beings created in the image of God. No other creatures were created to that specification. If you're not functioning according to your specified design, you're living more animalistically rather than humanly. We have animalistic humans living throughout our globe, treating people like commodities, using them and abusing them for their own pleasures, it's horrible. That's darkness. How did all that happen? Well, the perfect images of God, Adam and Eve, they were placed on earth to reign and rule as sub-rulers underneath the king of the universe, the king of all, we're given a purpose, a design purpose to, sub- and with that purpose, they're given wills. You have to be able to look and discern and make judgment like a ruler. And you're to take dominion over the areas the way I would as your God. You're to reign as sub reigning kings in my kingdom because we are in partnership together in this creation. That's why I created you the way you are, and that's how you function best, and you'll find great joy there. But then, the prince of darkness began to lie to this pair and provided them with another option. Instead of being a sub-ruler, reigning for the purpose of glorifying God, the creator, why not be like God and reign and determine what's good and what's bad on your own? Decide what you want instead of merging your will to God's will. You can taste this fruit that he said no, and by doing that, you'll become like him. 
And so they took the off-ramp of a merged will under God's will and decided to exercise their own will apart from the king's reigning rulership to choose for themselves what they wanted to do. The moment they did that, they stopped shining for the glory of God and showing that God is good. They were functioning in the opposite of their designed purpose. In the image of God, we were to shine and share God's glory. That's our happy place, our sweet spot. But the moment they chose to live for their own self-autonomy to be king and queen and determine for themselves what is good on their own, I will rule my own life, I'm going to do what I want, they began to shine for the glory of the prince of darkness and share glory, we can't really call it anti-glory, with the prince of darkness. So their lives became darker, and if you want to be self activated, you might think you're achieving a higher purpose of being self-actuated, but to the degree that it's dependent upon self, it self-destructs exactly as God said that it would, because you're now functioning in opposite of your designed purpose. As soon as that happened with Adam and Eve, it didn't just destroy their purpose, it damaged our design for all of humanity from that point forward. The good news is that God prophesied that he was going to send a redeemer and there was going to be a salvation victory that would restore our design purpose and now Jesus is describing how that design purpose will be restored as he is the vine and we are the branches. What Adam and Eve experienced the moment they tasted sin by their choice to get off the on-ramp or get off the highway of God's will was something shifted inside and their spiritual connection with God was severed. They could no longer hear God, talk with God, experience God in the same way. In fact, they're kicked out of Eden And all of humanity has been kind of blind to God, blind to his kingdom, deaf to his his words, and God has had to work with creatures who are broken. Now, the cool thing is, even from the beginning, he was using agents to demonstrate that he's rolling forward his plan that was declared in chapter 3, same chapter that they fell, He's rolling forward his plan to use humans as agents to demonstrate his glory. Flawed humans, even flawed in their image. Think Moses. Moses, flawed as he was, God says, I have seen the Egyptians, I will deliver them. With my mighty right outstretched arm, I will deliver them. And I'm going to send you, Moses. And you know what it looks like for God to deliver his people? It looks like Moses holding up his hand, functioning as God's agent. Cool. He's functioning according to human design. Flawed human design now. And God used agents like Moses and David and prophets and unrolling his plan like a scroll or turning the, book, the pages like chapters in a book where we get more and more clarity on how this plan is going to work out. And I'm getting more and more clarity that I'm out of time. 
So it's so fascinating that God created us for joy and created us for purpose. And what does it look like? Let me just describe my own life. As I draw near to God and he washes me clean, there is a new joy that is unexplainable in any other way than simply it's him. Yesterday morning, I went out just to pray, and it was a beautiful sunrise. And inside, it was just like joy was leaping up within me. Something inside of me was responding to something inside of God that God is just showing me in the beauty of a gift he's giving us. He gives us so many gifts every day. And we're so blind to it because we're not living in Jesus. But while we're living in Jesus, all these little things start to show up where it's just leaping inside of us. Beauty that we see is more than just the cycle of the earth, the circle of life. No, this is God. Gifts, 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 gifts. I'm here. Hope is here. I'm here for you. It's like, Yeah, there was that sound effect. And... It's a beautiful thing. You want to know what's a scary thing? When sunsets don't elicit that in you. When sunrises do nothing. When blue skies don't touch your heart and make you leap for joy. When all the mundane gifts of God that seem so mundane to us are just coming and coming and coming. You know what that shows me? That shows that we're not remaining in Jesus. We're remaining in some other obsession and we are deaf and blind to the goodness of God because we have a fixation that has blocked our view. We're obsessed with the darkness of all the off-ramps that the enemy has provided for us to seduce us to be happy some other way. I tell you, there's no happiness there. He's stealing your joy. He's destroying your humanity. You're becoming more like an animal and you're stuffing yourself like an animal that's crazed with a hunger that cannot be satisfied in this world. You need Jesus. Let's pray. (laughs) There's going to be a prayer team to the left of the stage area. There may be some specifics that I just kind of poked you on that you need help on. You've been trying to fix it. You've been trying to fix it, and you can't. You need Jesus. You may be a follower of Jesus, but there's an obsession in the way. You can't remain in Jesus because you need confession and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You need Jesus. You need to make him more about everyday life, all day life, at home with Jesus' life. Father God, we thank you for loving us so much that you let us see your love in flesh in your son. Lord Jesus, thank you for your willingness to become nothing, to take on the form of being a human, a servant, in our likeness to reverse the curse and take upon yourself hell to set us free from sin and death, to give us a forever eternity eternity, connected with you, and fruit that lasts, and the ability to make a difference wherever we are. We ask you to fill us with your spirit. We thank you for who you are and what you did to make that possible. We come to you.
In Jesus' name, amen.